Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We provide a safe space for you to improve your leadership skills while building a high-impact organization through networking, professional development, and training. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us often and to comment you know, on this show as well as other episodes. This is a very social show, and we ask that you share the link to today's episode in your networks as we speak. So if you have access to social media, we ask that you share this on Twitter, share it on Facebook, have a watch party, and all that good stuff. Today's hashtags are Nonprofit Utopia, COVID-19, and Coronavirus. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit utopia. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. You can also email me questions at valeriefleonard at nonprofitutopia.com. Now, obviously, if I'm on the podcast, I won't be able to respond to your email immediately, but please, by all means, um, if you feel free, um, email me, and I will get back to you just as soon as I can. And a better way of doing it if you want a response while we're talking is to give us a call or to post in our chat room. The chat room is live right now. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about 2.30, and that number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is... 347-884-8121. However, if you're posting in chat, you can post right now, and I will acknowledge, you know, around 2.30 or perhaps earlier, depending on how this goes. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community. You can find a link to our mailing list in the comment section. In fact, we have links to a number of upcoming events as well as other resources that you can take advantage of. So make sure you check out the comment section as we speak. And again, make sure that you share this episode within your own social media networks, including email. So April is Disaster Recovery Month in the nonprofit Utopia community. As you're aware, the COVID-19 pandemic has been a great cause for concern around the world. Indeed, it, it should be with thousands of people dying every day. What we initially thought would be a matter of being more careful about washing our hands and covering our mouths when we coughed has turned into mandatory sheltering in place, closing down businesses, government agencies, schools, and institutions, with the exception of those persons and businesses deemed essential. Our federal, state, county, and local governments, 
along with community-based organizations and philanthropic institutions, are stepping in to protect an already fragile safety net. While early estimates tend to point to a temporary situation that could last until May or June, the evidence suggests that we should plan for the unexpected as best we can and be agile and ready to make adjustments as often as need be to promote public safety while meeting the needs of our clients. At the end of the day, this could very well be the start of a new era, and I'll call that era post-COVID-19 for now. But what will that look like? Are we prepared to continue business operations, if not, what do we need to do to minimize the business risks while promoting public safety? Will we fundamentally change the way we live, transact business, and service our clients and communities? And if so, how? What are some of the lessons we're learning in real time? How can those lessons be plowed into our program models going forward and what are the opportunities for innovation? And if you want, you can share your comments and questions as well in the chat room. And, you know, this will give you something to think about, too, uh, before you call in around 2.30. So how do we make sure that we come out of this crisis better positioned for success than we were before the pandemic started back in December? Again, we have declared the month of April 22 Disaster Recovery Month, and we'll share strategies on how to create a vision for recovery from the impacts of coronavirus and how to bring that vision to reality. You know, so often we get caught up in the crisis of the moment, we get caught up in the fear of the moment, but we don't think about the opportunity to create a whole new visions that will fit the new reality. And there are plenty, plenty of opportunities. The lessons learned will be easily transferred to future disasters and unplanned business interruptions. Specifically, the overarching goal for this month in the nonprofit utopia community is to help you to navigate the environment and position your organization for sustain, sustainability, understanding that there's going to be a new normal after the dust settles. So for us, our objectives are as follows. One, we want to provide education and regular updates on COVID-19, what it is, its impact, and how we can promote public safety. Number two, we want to share strategies on what you can do right now to assess your current cash position, project future cash needs, and then make the ask for additional financial support. Three, we want to show you how to conduct a SWOT analysis. And, we, and when we say SWOT analysis, we're talking about those strengths. We're talking about the weaknesses. We're talking about opportunities. And, and threats as well. And when we talk about that, we're not necessarily talking about just simply pulling up your most recent strategic plan, because I would imagine that most people's strategic plans right about now did not 
account, take into account the coronavirus pandemic. So given our new normal, we, we need to be strategic in the way we think. So again, do a SWOT analysis that is looking at your strengths, looking at your weaknesses, looking at the opportunities that are in the environment, and looking at the threats as well within the context of the new environment. And I would imagine it's changed somewhat since you've done your last strategic plan. And number four, we want to show you how to prepare an action plan, your SWOT analysis. And then we want to share ideas on how to leverage technology and networks to provide a community response. In fact, you know, we'll be doing some programming to share with you some examples. So my question to you is, are you prepared to continue business? as a nonprofit? And if not, what do you need to do in order to reduce the risk while promoting public safety? Nonprofit Utopia members who can demonstrate that they have completed assignments for the month of April will get a certificate of completion, and we're encouraging anyone, you know, if you like to share via an article or social media posts, or guest appearance appearance on a crowdcast or a podcast, let me know as soon as possible. You can email me at ValerieFLeonard at nonprofitutopia.com. Remember, we're all in this together, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. And as for you and our listening audience, we know that many of you are board members or thinking of joining boards or starting new organizations. What does all of this mean for you? What should you be doing right now to help your organization navigate, quote, unquote, the new normal? I want you to stick with us today and find out. We're going to be sharing updates on the COVID-19 pandemic, tips for nonprofit governance, during a time of crisis, and when I say governance, I'm just talking about uh, making decisions and making sure that you're guiding the organization and safeguarding the assets in a way that they can survive through this time. We're also going to be sharing coping strategies from thought leaders in the corporate, nonprofit, and faith arenas. We're going to be sharing the board's role in planning for business continuance, strategies for increased civic engagement and policy and advocacy campaigns, and resources that you might find to be useful in your own journey and that you can share with others. All righty, so before we get into the conversation, I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast. And we're talking about ways that you can build a better board in the age of coronavirus. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience in chat room at about 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Alrighty, as I promised, um, I wanted to share some some updates with you. Um, if you are not on 
our mailing list, you really should join our mailing list. I, I sent out an email this morning with a number of updates. Find that um, we're very, very pleased that our civic community, and when I say civic community, I'm talking about the government community, our business leaders, as well as our local leaders are stepping up and, and the foundations are stepping up to create new funds. At least here in Chicago, and I'm pretty sure that that is the case all around the world. Um, in the city of Chicago, we are very, very pleased to know that the United Way has teamed up with a number of other foundations as well as the city of Chicago to provide emergency funds for organizations. They raised about $13.5 million, about $13.8 million, and they've already given out $3.5 million to organizations that are well positioned to address the needs of food insecurity as well as rent assistance. So, you know, they have been very, very responsive in that way. And Governor Pritzker is working uh, at the state level here in the state of Illinois to provide similar a similar response to communities in I'm sorry all around the state of Illinois. So we're very very fortunate in the state of Illinois to see such a level of generosity. We also are seeing at the federal level as well as the state level that there is um <clears throat> I'm sorry that that there is new legislation in place that will help businesses as well as nonprofit organizations to bridge the time between now and such time as the coronavirus pandemic is done. So there are forgivable loans for small businesses and nonprofits. There are grants for nonprofits as well as small businesses to help them take care of immediate needs. Unfortunately, that money is not going to last forever, so let's pray that this coronavirus pandemic does not um, last longer than, you know, the next month or two, but I have a feeling that it will be longer. Um, if you want to have more specifics, you know, please feel free to sign up to our newsletter. There is a link and if you sign up to our newsletter, you will get these updates at least once a week, maybe more often. So I, I don't want to spend this entire time giving updates. I just want to let you know that I am very encouraged to see the response of the foundation world combined with our state, federal, and local governments to fill in the gaps to make sure that the safety net for the least of these. So the priority, again, is given to food insecurity, rental assistance, some mortgage assistance, and for small businesses and nonprofits to also have some working capital to pay, um, pay payroll. So that is encouraging. All righty. So my question to you is if you have any resources, um, please feel free to call in. Our number is 347-884-8121. Uh, 
Again, that number is 347-8121. This, this podcast is being listened to around the world, so it doesn't matter where you're from. If you have some information to share, this is something that is impacting us around the world. So if you have knowledge of resources and strategies that you're doing and you want to let us know, please feel free to post in the chat room. Please feel free to call. And then my question to you, again, is what tips would you offer for nonprofit board members who want to navigate this crisis? And, you know, my first response is, you know, board members need to more than ever be more cognizant of their roles in the organization. You know, they have what we call a fiduciary responsibility, which means they are legally rely they're I'm sorry, they're legally liable for whatever happens with the organization. So they have to be the ones who safeguard the assets. They need to be the ones who set strategic direction and make sure that the organization has the resources that they need to continue to carry out its mission. So the first thing I would do is to remind board members of that initial responsibility, and that doesn't go away. You know, just because you have a crisis and it feels like the doors may close, you know, your organization needs you now more than ever to provide leadership and guidance, right? And we'll talk about that, you know, later on um, in the podcast. But I wanted to share with you some strategies, you know, before we get into that, some strategies that others are doing. And I was really, really encouraged by an essay that I wrote, uh, that I read from the Phil Foundation president <clears throat> that, you know, she wrote, I guess, about two week, two weeks ago. And and her name is Angelique Power, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but one of the things that, you know, was prevalent in her message is that we need to just hold tight, hold tight. She starts off by saying, this time we're living in is something else. I write each word knowing by the time I hit sin, even more will have changed. More of us will have been infected in some way by COVID-19, by fear of it, mild cases of it, or most devastatingly, by extreme cases. More places where we work, play, and go to school will shut down across the world as we fight to contain this fast-moving virus. I'm writing to you from inside of my home and the office I've set up for myself here, surrounded by framed images of my ancestors, my family, my loved ones. I'm instant messaging with staff on a new system we're trying to use, conference calls this past week where we have to learn how to enter the traffic of a virtual space where you cannot see each other's signal we're ready to contribute, and so many rush in at once and apologize and then retreat. And she goes on and she talks about the fact that even though she has inconveniences, she's very, very much aware of the fact that there is a digital 
divide going on. There are a number of people who don't even have access to the technology that she has access to. But she encourages us to hold on, hold tight. You know, she is working with a number of other folks in philanthropy to advocate on our behalf to raise new funds so that we can meet the needs of our constituencies. And when I say we, I'm talking about the people who are in the nonprofit and social service space. All righty. And then we have a letter, and just bear with me. I, I was really encouraged to to read an example <clears throat> from David Hanrahan. He's the Chief Human Resources Officer at Eventbrite, and he gave some really sage advice um, for those of us who are used to working in offices and now find ourselves working at home. The first thing he says is dedicate time to virtual team bonding and maintaining social connection with your coworkers. So in other words, just because you're not in the same physical space, you're not in the same office with your coworkers, doesn't mean that you need to stop trying to bond with people virtually. And some of the things that he suggests are, one, schedule a virtual happy hour and bring your team together over a glass of wine and video chat at the end of a long week, and you can do that virtually. He also suggests that you use the donut feature in Slack to easily match with new team members for weekly virtual coffee chats or create Slack channels to encourage personal sharing. For example, create a WTH WTH channel as a place where you can share tried and tested tips for working at home from those who do it all the time or funny outtakes from your new office setup. Photo of the day channel as a place to share photos connected to a different theme each day. And he also suggests that you maintain employee resource groups that bring people together over a shared interest and keep your regular meeting cadence just to do it virtually. So if you normally have a Monday morning meeting with your staff, continue to do that through online communication. He also suggests that you structure your workday very much like you would at the office. And then most importantly, you want to make sure that you take breaks and keep up healthy habits just to stay sane. And I think that's really critical. And then I was also encouraged to to see some really positive communication examples in the email that I thought I would share. Um, one such example comes from live exclamation. Now, that is a gathering place. It's a social social venture here in the Chicago area, and they have memberships as well as a gathering place for people to come, you know, hang out, share ideas, and innovate in a safe space. So obviously they can't really do that physically, 
right about now. So they, they sent a really nice message, um, the owner did, and she indicated that um, she's going to use this downtime positively. You know, she's not going to focus on all the negatives of not being able to do business, you know, face-to-face. She's not going to focus on the fact that her space has been closed down, but yet she's taking stock of how she can better serve her clients, and she's preparing her space for the time when we emerge from this, right? And after she shares some of her coping strategies, then she invites people to become members, um, invites people to to actually uh, make donations, and then she uh, <clears throat> excuse me asks people to buy from her online store. So I, I think that was a very very positive positive way for her to to share, right? So she let people know that, you know, we shouldn't be afraid. She let people know that she is taking stock of this time to make the best of it and come out better, better willing and able to serve her clients. And then she invites us to join. And and I think that's a very, very, very powerful message. So my question to you is, what offer nonprofit board members who want to navigate this crisis? And then what are some coping strategies from thought leaders that you heard of that you would like to share? And, again, you can share this either by phone or by chat room. Our phone number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And if you are watching, you can post in the chat room right now. And then in a couple of minutes, I can share, um, you know, share some of the questions online. All righty. So, again, the question becomes, what is the board's role in planning for business con- continuance? Right? So we have not completely shut down our operations even though we have shut down our doors. Board's roles and responsibilities, as I said before, from a legal standpoint, they're still the same. Boards still have that duty of loyalty, a duty of care, and a duty to obey the laws, rules, and regulations that govern the nonprofit. They can have to continue to be wise stewards and safeguard the assets of the organization. They have to continue to set policy and strategic direction. However, what's different is there is a sense of urgency, a greater sense of urgency, because not only are they focusing on the needs of their clients and community, but many of these needs now have been elevated to Life or death, right? Life or death urgency. So so that is an issue. And not only have those issues become life or death for the community, they have become life or death for the very survival of the organization itself, right? Problematic. So 
what are some of the strategies for increased civic engagement and policy and advocacy campaigns? So as you know, the board is not necessarily running the day-to-day operations, but they're there to guide the organization, right? And some of the things that board members can do to increase civic engagement and policy and advocacy is, first of all, they want to increase communication with other board members, increase communication with staff, clients, and community constituencies, as well as elected officials. It's the board's job to make sure that they understand what is important to each stakeholder and help them meet their needs. And you can do this through sharing resources, referrals, tapping into your own networks, and your financial and non-cash resources. And again, you're going to have to do this early and often. You know, I'm finding that I'm getting probably 20, maybe 30 messages a day just focus on COVID-19 kinds of stuff. You know, information is changing by the minute. You know, our elected officials are on every day, more than once a day. And we in the community are starting to take that same posture. And it's really important, too, that you communicate in a way that gives people comfort, gives people comfort that there is a strategy, even though there's a lot of chaos, you as board members need to be the rock. You as board members need to be the calm in that storm. So as you see patterns emerge, right, consider networking with your constituents and other stakeholders and lobby for more resources to address the issues. A really, really good example I mentioned before is the United Way. You know, they partner with the Chicago Community Trust, and they teamed up with the mayor of Chicago and other funders to step in to provide emergency funding for organizations that are well positioned to address the immediate needs, you know, things like food, rent assistance, health care, and all that good stuff. And the governor of Illinois, as I mentioned before, he's doing something similar on the state level. And another example that I really, really like is the Black Community Pandemic Prevention and Support Group. They want to make sure that African Americans are not left behind in the fight against COVID-19. They're using social media as an organizing tool to provide community updates about COVID-19. They're also sharing resources, supports, and ideas how local residents can protect themselves, their families, and communities as a whole. So if you go into that group, you know, you'll see a lot of videos. Um, you'll see parents talking to parents. You will see officials sharing. You'll also see strategies that they can use to make sure that the nonprofits are taken care of and all that good stuff. So they have created a strong online community within a matter of weeks. They just got this started, but already, you know, I can see that they're very, very engaged. So what we 
speaking with Natasha Dunn and Kay Winding, and they're two of the group's co-founders, and we're going to be hearing some of the lessons that they're learning as they work with their neighbors to navigate the new landscape. And they will be on a crowdcast with us on April 17th at 10 o'clock, and you can click onto the link in the comments section of this episode so that you can register. All right, so I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're talking about ways that you can build a better board in the age of coronavirus. We're taking questions right now from our listening audience in chat room, and the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 884-8121. Hi, caller. Um, your number is seven seven three six two four zero five eight five. Did you have any comments or questions? Okay, I'm assuming that you just called to listen, so I will put you on on mute again. All righty. So again, if you have any questions. You can give us a call at 347-8821. Again, that number is 347-884-8121, or you can post in the chat room. All righty. Just one moment. All righty. So... My question to you, and you can share this with me um, online if you'd like, what are some of the implications for your nonprofit as as it relates to coronavirus? All right, so I can tell you from my perspective as a small business owner, and I can also share with you some of the things that my clients are going through. I'll start with my clients first because they're nonprofits. A number of them are finding themselves closing their buildings. They're not stopping the operations. They're operating in a different manner, you know, posting online um, and having online meetings. So they're closing their buildings except for essential personnel who come in, you know, check on the facility, and they also um, are participating in the social distancing strategies. So so they are adhering to the CDC protocols as well as any guidelines that our local government might have. But they're also conducting business online. And for many of them, this is a new thing. They're taking the time to get acclimated to to Zoom. A number of them are so used to conducting business face-to-face or on the telephone and you know, so they're having some time to technology. And they're also, you know, using other ways to collaborate online, you know, which I think is good. So in some ways this has been a blessing in disguise. You know, people who have been reluctant to embrace technology now really don't have much of a choice, right? So, so that is one of the positive things. And... My question to you, and please feel free to call in. Again, that number is 347-884-8121, is 
what are some of the strategies that you are using to stay afloat during this time? All right, so some of the strategies that I am recommending are, first of all, you know, look at your current operations and then prioritize the expenses accordingly. You know, I'm recommending that they look at their cash position and try to understand how much cash they have on on hand. So the way you do this is, you know, you look at your budget, right? You, you look at where your budget is now, look at how much money you have in the bank, look at how much money you're going to need to get through this year. So from now to December, look at how much money you expect to spend on a monthly basis, look at how much money you expect to come in on a monthly basis, right? And you do that for every month, and then those months where you start to see deficits, that will give you an indication of how long you can stay open without taking on any more money. And a few years ago, the average organization had about three months cash left on hand. And, you know, that's that may or may not be the case. I have a feeling that that's not the case right about now, you know, just because um, things are a little bit tight now and there are a number of unplanned expenses as a result of this coronavirus thing. All right, so once you know how much cash you have on hand and then you prioritize the expenses, you want to make sure that you pay those most essential expenses first. Now, pretty much like you do in your own life, the most essential expenses first, and that includes staff and your payroll, right? You don't want to get in a point where you're in trouble because you borrowed against your payroll taxes or you forgot to pay payroll taxes, and then at the end of the year when they come due, you don't have money there. So you want to make sure that you continue to pay those expenses. And then after you prioritize those expenses, you want to project out how much cash you're going to need to get through the end of the year, as I indicated before. And then once you know that number, you're in a stronger position, one, to ask for more grant funding, you're in a stronger position to negotiate for loans, uh, as well as to negotiate with your other creditors, as well as your vendors. So, so you got to know your your position first, and you know how much cushion you have before you have to close your doors. And hopefully, God willing, you won't have to close your doors if you plan and act appropriately. So then. This is also a really good time to take advantage of the opportunity that this change presents, right? So are there new services or new ways that you can deliver those services? Are there programs that you thought were really important, but somehow they don't seem quite as important in this new environment? Are there new services that you could be giving that you uncovered just as a result of this particular situation? Are there new processes that you need to be implementing that you just didn't think about, but now that you've found yourself in this coronavirus pandemic, you can see a very different way of working? 
All right. And then my other question to you is what are some of the resources that you find that might be helpful in your own journey? Resources that my clients find to be helpful are provided by the federal government, state and local government, as well as foundations. Um, They're finding guidance on policies, you know, unemployment assistance, other public assistance like TANF, emergency funding, emergency loans, and all that good stuff. You know, I found that TechSoup was a really good source of technology resources. Um, And if you don't know about TechSoup, um, you should go to TechSoup.org. TechSoup actually has been around for about 20 years, and what they do is they get product donations from technology companies, and once they get those donations, they are able to um, either donate them for free or at ridiculously low cost to nonprofits. And right now with the um, COVID-19 thing going on, there are a lot of opportunities to get free technology and low-cost technology. So this is a good time for you if you have um, some funds to ramp up on new computers, get access to meeting uh, platforms like Zoom, get access to QuickBooks, and also you know join their online community so you can understand more about technology and all that you can do with it. Now, one thing that I really, really think that you should focus on is the business continuity planning, right? So if you – there's a link in the comment section to one of our webinars. We did a crowdcast on business continuity planning, and within that webinar is a link to a whole bunch of resources, one of which is a business continuity plan. So we don't have time to go into the finer details, but, you know, I I think one of the things that this COVID-19 pandemic brought about is our need to do business continuity planning. You know, we focus on strategic planning, we focus on doing our business planning, but we really don't spend a heck of a lot of time on our business continuity planning. So when you do business continuity planning, you need to think about things like, you know, who's in charge? You know, and I know that sounds silly, but in times like these, you know, I've heard of horror stories of large institutions that have been around for hundreds of years. They're being thrown into chaos because, one, we've never had a situation like this before, but, two, nobody thought beyond you know, well, what happens if we do find ourselves in a disaster, right? So what do you do in the event that your technology is wiped out as a result of this? Or what do you do in the event that you have processes that heretofore have been manual and now you can't really talk to people and you have to do everything by computer? Right? So those kinds of things. So you have to think about, you know, what kinds of disasters could happen 
All right, so what what kinds of things can happen? Do you have to relocate? And in many instances, we are basically relocating because we can't really look at our offices. We're having to, to work at home. Or what if you have to go to another site that is more conducive to working because the site where you work is no longer full? So what is that alternative site? Um, the processes that you have done here to floor, if you can't get to the office or if you can't get to the equipment, how are you going to perform those functions? So when you're doing all of your policies and procedures, you know, on the one hand, you you think about how you get this work done on a day-to-day basis, but as you're developing the policies and procedures, you need to think of alternative plans in the event that there's a catastrophic event or in the event that there's something um, that tends to be a minor interruption. And then after that, you think about the recovery plan. You know, what does recovery look like? You know, it does recovery look like the same way of doing things before the disaster, or does recovery look like a new model. Recovery look like we're getting out of business ABC and instead we're doing XYZ? Or does recovery look like we're going to continue to offer the same programs and services, but now that we've been forced to utilize technology, we'll be able to do it in a more efficient manner? All right, so then you need to look at the recovery phases, right? So one, you know, you you find yourself in a disaster, right? You find yourself in an emergency situation. What do you do? Obviously, you have to think of alternative plans, and then you have to think of the alternative sites. But then what happens after the emergency? Right? How do you transition back to the site? And for every one of these strategies, there needs to also be some costs associated with it. So as you do your cash flow projections, you know, you can't really do your cash flow projections solely on what the old normal was. You're going to have new costs as a result of this new situation, and you need to factor those in. And then you also need to look at records backup, right? How are you storing records? Are you still keeping your records in paper files? Do you have a backup for digital records? And I know Microsoft has some um, interesting ways of backing up your paper records digitally. So you might want to look into to Microsoft as as an option for backing up your files. And then your restoration plan, what exactly does that look like? Who's your team? And and actually, you probably need to think about who your team is first, and that's going to look like, that's going to look, look different based on the organization, you know, the size of the organization and what it is the organization actually does. But regardless, you need team leaders. And, you know, if you're in a large institution, those Leaders all need to be huddled together 
to figure out how they're going to be coordinating across disciplines. So you need people from every department, every function. Your basic functions tend to be, regardless of what organization, tend to be personnel, tend to be program, tend to be financial, tend to be marketing and fundraising um, and all that good stuff. So you want to make sure that every function and every department is represented in this plan development, right? Then you want to make sure that you have contact information for everyone. You want to be able to describe the responsibilities of that team. You want to have an incident commander, you know, who will be the point person for coordinating the disaster response. And then you want to have a team within each one of the departments. And if you have a smaller organization, you may not necessarily have departments, but you might have different functions. Again, regardless of the size of your organization or the age of your organization, every organization has basic functions. And then you, again, you want to make sure you write those procedures down. And honestly, the time to think about writing your disaster recovery procedures, as I said before, is when you're writing your um, policies in the first place. And I'm going to give you a list of um, some typical procedures that you might want to include. Um, this would be things like a disaster occurrence. So, so what's the procedure? What's the standard operating procedure whenever there's an emergency or a disaster? Should have that, and every program should have that. How do you notify management? So there should be a procedure for notification of management. How do you assess the damage? So you need to have a procedure for assessing the damage. So again, you know, the reason why you need this is you need to be able to quantify that. And one of the uses of that would be to project out your cash flow so you know how much to ask for in terms of funding and for a loan. You want to have a procedure for declaring a disaster. You want to have a written action plan. You want to have a procedure for relocation to the alternative site, and you want to have a procedure for coming back to your primary site. You want to have communication procedures for emergency communication as well as any damage control that you might do. You want to have communication for all of your stakeholders, be those funders, be the uh, people who work for you, you want to have procedures for how the work gets done in an alternative way. And then you want to have procedures for stopping the, the temporary procedures. I, I know that sounds crazy, but these are things that we don't think about and they don't seem important until you have times like this. And I'll be honest, you know, many people have not, thought about this to this level of detail, and I will share with you, I haven't thought of it to that level of detail. So this um, coronavirus thing is really putting me on notice 
as well. And I'm working, you know, with anyone who is willing to help them pull together those business continuation plans. And I think that will probably be something that foundations will emphasize. You know, I, I can't be sure, but I can imagine it will be something they'll emphasize because this is something that's impacting them, and I know many of them don't have these things in place, right? So um, a list of things that you want to attach to this plan would be things like an employee contact list, recovery priorities, alternate site resources and addresses, emergency operations center locations, vital records, and for nonprofits, vital records would be things like human resource records, your policies and procedures, the records that you um, share, any filings you share with the IRS, you do with your grants, et cetera, et cetera. Vendor lists, you know, because you want to be able to keep in contact with your vendors, any contracts, any IT system reports and resources, any alternate site transportation information, impact and risk assessments, any business impact analyses that you do, any recovery task list that you might have, and any office recovery plans. So all of that needs to be attached to your plan. And we're going to be having, you know, all during the month of April, we're going to be having Crowdcast that will show you how to project your cash flow, how do you develop your business continuation plan, how do you um, restore or how do you create a vision for your new normal once we come out of this COVID-19 pandemic. So if you look in the comments section, there are links to those various crowdcasts. Um, we'll be, again, we'll be sharing community responses, you know, sharing um, information on how people at the community level are organizing so that they can, in fact, um, deal on the community level. You know, they're not waiting for the government. They're not waiting for the foundations, even though they will probably be able to tap into some resources, but they're being proactive, you know, which is, you know, what we should all be doing. And we, we should all assume that no help is coming and begin to put plans in place for ourselves. So my to you again, and I've asked it to you before, what resources do you find that might be useful in your own journey? And if you have resources, please share them in the chat room or in our comment section. We'll be very, very happy to share them. We will um, post attribution where appropriate. We're not trying to steal credit for anybody's stuff. And the business continuity plan methodology that I shared with you, that came from Smartsheet. So if you go to smartsheet.com, you'll be able to download a template for a business continuity plan. And if you participate in our crowdcast, you will also be able 
to have access to that template from there, as well as templates on how to conduct risk assessments, how to develop your strategic communications plan in the event of emergencies like this, as well as resources. All right. So we've come to the end of our show, and I want to say thank you so much for participating. Thank you for listening. And, again, if you have any questions, feel free to post them in the chat room. Feel free to post them in the comment section. If you want to get in contact with me after the podcast, you can contact me at ValerieFLeonard at NonprofitUtopia.com. All right. So, Again, I want to say thank you, and we're going to end it now. And you should be able to download a recording of this podcast within about a half hour. All right. You take care. Bye-bye.